Welcome to the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. It is Friday. It is the 21st day of January 2022. And we have now officially begun year two of the Gropey Joe Biden Camel Toe Harris administration. God help us all. I am officially calling on every single member of Congress to do a few very simple things that would make our entire system of litigation, of lawmaking, of running our nation easier to understand, make laws easier and more clear to enforce, and simplify the entire legislative process. The request is based on common sense thought. It is not partisan in any way. It would eliminate or significantly reduce ambiguity in our laws, our rules, our regulations, our requirements, and it would make clear the consequences of violation of our laws, eliminate loopholes. The first action item is for Congress to create legislation that would require clear, understandable, plain English language in every single law they propose. Plain, simple English. The wherefores and the what thous and the here and afters and all that need to go away. Very simple. The second action item is that only one topic may be addressed in any one piece of proposed legislation. You can't have something to build a bridge and open a voting registration drive and require that people don't spit on the sidewalks in Minot, North Dakota. The third action item is for laws to clearly specify what the intent of the law may be, followed by what the consequences are for violation of that law. Simple as that. One, two, three. If you look at the so-called Build Back Better Act, as proposed by Gropey Joe Biden and the Democrats, you see more than a thousand pages of wherefores, whereases, loopholes, hitherto's, along with hidden spending for this program and that program and the next program. Multiple unrelated issues, exceptions to exemptions, exemptions to exceptions, exclusions to exemptions, exceptions to exclusions. The new requirement that I propose, for example, would say if you want to make a law that is allocating infrastructure spending, then only things that are included in true infrastructure should be included. How much and what for? Period. Item one, we are seeking $21 billion to construct a new interstate highway 100, which will link the cities of Phoenix, Arizona and El Paso, Texas. Item two, we are seeking $35 million to repair and rehabilitate the Interstate 40 bridge between Arkansas and Tennessee. Item three, we are seeking $1.2 billion to repair Route 66 between this point and that point. Period. No fluff, no BS, no items slipped in the back door. Now, politicians will tell you if that form of a requirement were implemented, then nothing would ever pass in Congress. That's a good thing. Nothing useful has passed through the halls of Congress in recent memory. So what's the difference? You also wouldn't need a lawyer to try and figure out all of the wording and the loopholes. You wouldn't need to be a lawyer to be a congressional representative or a senator. The next thing that I'm calling on is for Congress to implement term limits on itself. You're allowed two four-year terms in the Senate or three two-year terms in Congress. 
Now, if you're in Congress, you can run for Senate, which would give you a total, if you win, of up to six years in Congress plus eight years in the Senate. And that's a career of 14 years. And by the founding fathers, the framers of our Constitution's intent, when that 14 years is over, you go back to the private sector. You go back to your farm or your dairy or your deli. Now, if you're good enough, you can do six years in Congress plus eight years in the Senate and then up to eight years as the president, a total of 22 years. And then you're done. 22 years is a career for most Americans. 22 years is long enough for you to be gracing the halls of Congress and the presidency. This business of senators, 45, 50 years is ridiculous. Those people are so out of touch with reality, so far removed from their constituency. They don't have a clue. They've been stranded inside the beltway and all of its trappings for decades. Look at Joe Biden, almost 50 years, half a century in Washington, D.C. politics. And what has he done for the nation? Nothing productive, nothing good. When he screws up, like the 1994 crime bill that put all the black people in jail, he was the guy who not only wrote that bill, but fought for it for years and years until, of course, it came up when he ran for president. And he said, well, well uh, you, you know, I'm going to walk it back. And that was it. I'm calling also, my friends, for an end to the do-as-we-say-not-as-we-do exceptions and exemptions for politicians, especially those in Congress. You know, those folks who tell you that you have to wear a mask, you have to get a vaccine, you have to report your stock trades, but they don't. While we're on the subject of political privilege, no more political privilege, no more sealing your past documents, no more sealing your tax records, no more sealing your criminal history. It's done, it's gone, it's finished. What's good for you and I should be good for them. This includes cancellation of the processes by which some members of Congress can get a retirement after just one term. All of the benefits, the lifetime benefits that they get. If you are going to impose Obamacare as the law of the land, then you, the Congress, must also be forced to participate in that program. This is not the book Animal Farm. Some people aren't more equal than others. We also need to stop the revolving door of lobbyists going in and out of Congress, buying the votes of Congress, and end to lobbying, that would clean things up exponentially. These are just a few of the things that I'm proposing, and I'm calling on someone in a much higher position of influence, media personalities, to jump on this bandwagon and start promoting this. A new contract with America should be struck by members of Congress in order to make America great again. Sorry, Donald. I had to borrow your line. But the way America is headed right now under gropey Joe Biden's lack of leadership and under the dictatorial rules and regulations being put forth by the executive and legislative branch, our nation is now the laughing stock of planet Earth when it comes to calling itself a democratic republic or a democracy. That's the truth, my friends, and I apologize, but sometimes the truth hurts.
Now, as I said, today is Friday, but it is also the first day of the second year of the gropey Joe Biden presidency. So I figured I'd go through some of the headlines today as the media is finally starting to get the message from average everyday Americans that this guy doesn't have a clue of what the hell he's doing. Now, yes, the media is still doing its best. It's trying desperately to prop up this puppet in the White House. But these are a few of the headlines that I saw. By the numbers, the first year of the Biden presidency. Written in CBS News, Bo Erickson, Catherine Watson, Tim Perry, Sarah Cook, Camilo Montoya Galvez, and Sarah Ewall Weiss. It took a team of one, two, three, four, five, six reporters to write one report. How desperate, how weak is one reporter's ability, style, experience, that they need six of them to write one article. I guess it's a really slow news day because they're not reporting on the bad of the Biden administration. This article begins, President Biden's first year was a busy and difficult one in which he faced continuing global pandemic, rising inflation, the end of the country's longest war in Afghanistan, the passage of historical infrastructure legislation, the stalling of his broader social and voting agenda, and many other challenges. Now that article should have begun with this paragraph. Gropey Joe Biden's first year was one of hiding, one of shame, one of embarrassment one in which he faced the global pandemic that he claimed he would shut down, but it has only gotten four to five times worse. Rising inflation that his economic policies have caused. The disastrous end of the Afghanistan war in which 13 service people and hundreds of Afghans, if not thousands of Afghans, were needlessly killed as we basically surrendered that nation to terrorist organizations. The bipartisan infrastructure legislation passing. The stalling of his proposed socialist agenda. The failure of his so-called voting rights, which is really just a pass for voter fraud. It should also include the disaster of empty shelves, Joe. It should also include the destruction of the oil and gas industry. It should also include the massive spikes and increases in crime. Sure, Joe Biden, according to CBS News, is claiming to be responsible for 6.4 million jobs added. But remember, the Democrats lost the nation 15 million jobs by shutting down entire economies. Biden is trying to claim that the 3.9% unemployment rate is A, realistic, and B, his doing. The unemployment rate is not 3.9%, as the Democrats are reporting, because so many people have simply left the workforce and refused to even look for a job. Put those people back in, the unemployment rate under Joe Biden is more likely 7 to 8%. How about the 7% inflation, the highest in 40 years? Think about that, my friends. On Trump's first year in office, consumer prices rose 2.1%, which the economists say is healthy growth. You remember, making America great again? 7% under Biden. They're bragging that gropey Joe Biden visited 27 states on his first year in office, but he spent most of the time in his basement back home. And when he did visit, 
He gaffed and goofed and said ridiculous, stupid things. He managed to visit a whopping five countries, all very friendly to Democrats. The UK, Belgium, Switzerland, the Vatican, and Italy. He spent 26 weekends in Delaware, half of the year at one of his homes, either in Wilmington, Delaware, or on Rehoboth Beach. You know, rich white people kind of thing. The national debt soared from $27.8 trillion to $29.8 trillion after just one year in office. When he took office, 220,000 COVID deaths were blamed on Donald Trump. Remember? Any president who presides over 220,000 deaths of their own people doesn't deserve to be in office. And yet now, we're nearing one million. So at least three times as many people have died of COVID-related illnesses since gropey Joe Biden took office. The COVID vaccination rate, on par with what Donald Trump and Operation Warp Speed had envisioned. Although Biden, even though now he has little children as young as five years of age, can be vaccinated, the numbers are still no better than Donald Trump's. In an entire year in office, Gropey Joe Biden has only given 20 formal interviews with journalists. Contrasting this, Barack Hussein Obama gave 158 interviews in his first year in office. He did 10 news conferences. The most recent one lasted nearly two hours. And I'm going to go into that in just a moment. All of the lies we spoke about yesterday on that particular two-hour press conference. He also is responsible for a documented 1.7 million invading illegal trespassing aliens at the southern border. But guess what, my friends? That's just the ones we caught. He has allowed in 11,000 refugees from warring countries. The immigration court backlog right now, 1.6 million people. And he has managed to confirm only 41 circuit court or district court judges through the Senate. Wow, what an accomplishment, Joe. Yawn. And of course, he flip-flopped from his position decades ago wanting to keep the filibuster. That was when he was a senator and the decision by Republicans at that time to want to eliminate the filibuster for certain things because Democrats weren't getting their way Joe Biden stood before Congress demanding that we not end the filibuster because, in his own words, doing so would make the Senate no different than the House of Representatives. And instead of a bicameral Congress, we would have a unicameral Congress. Now, of course, things aren't going the Democrats' way, so they want to change the filibuster. But two very wise Democrats and all of the Republicans shut that process down. Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, not voting to change the filibuster rules, and we still keep our democracy intact. Joe Biden said during that two-hour interview that I don't believe the polls. Well, of course not. The polls are coming out saying what a pathetic job he's doing. But unfortunately, those same pathetic poll numbers come from Democratic sympathetic polling organizations as well as those who lean more towards the conservative arena. 
Biden told reporters on Wednesday he doesn't believe the public opinion polls indicating his waning approval rating amongst moderates and amongst independents. He was asked by a White House correspondent, Francesca Chambers, how he plans to win back moderates and independents who voted for him in 2020, but according to the polls, are now unhappy with his job performance. Biden said, I don't believe the polls. He is in denial, my friends. In fact, Biden's polling numbers amongst independents has decreased since he took office one year ago, falling from 61% when he entered office to less than 33%, according to Gallup. The drop is due to the host of difficulties that he has faced, difficulties that he has either caused or exacerbated by his ridiculous policies, programs, processes, and procedures. According to Gallup, he ended his first year with an average approval rating of 48.9, according to Gallup. Okay, you can twist the numbers any way you want. Ask the average American. They'll tell you, this guy sucks. He spent part of that press conference trying to defend his efforts, arguing the majority of Americans are behind him on two issues. He said, after mumbling and fumbling and stumbling, I've cleaned this up to just use actual words and not the... He said, you all really know the politics in this country and your networks and other issues spend a lot of time, which I'm glad you do, polling this data, determining where the, what the American people's attitudes are, etc. That's not even a sentence. That is a run-on, run-to, incoherent mumbling. He then clarified, the American people overwhelmingly agree with me on prescription drugs? Wrong. They overwhelmingly agree with me on the cost of education? Wrong. They overwhelmingly agree with me on early education? Wrong. They overwhelmingly, and I can go on to list on, on, on child care? Wrong. Joe Biden is a failure as the United States president. A couple of other quick headlines. The CDC says natural immunity outperformed vaccines in the Delta strain, just as I told you it would. Gorsuch and Sotomayor respond to reporting that Gorsuch refuses to don a mask. Who cares? I don't care. That man has his own body, his own choice. And there is no Supreme Court mandate that Supreme Court justices have to wear a mask. If Sotomayor, her life choices, her dietary choices, her sedentary lifestyle has caused her to have comorbidities, then she should stay home or resign for health reasons. Next headline, Wall Street Journal reports U.S. jobless claims rose to 286,000 last week, but I thought Joe Biden was doing so well on unemployment. Next headline, the National Post reports, Welp, it looks like food shortages are going to get worse. I said that early on, Joe Biden's economic policies are killing us. Next headline, Kamala Harris insists U.S. will respond aggressively on Ukraine after the Biden flub. This written in The Guardian. Kamalto Harris joined with the White House's campaign to repair Joe Biden's flub on the Ukraine as his press conference on Wednesday, where he revealed that NATO is divided on how to respond to a minor incursion from Russia. She said, the president of the United States has been very clear, and we as the United States are very clear. If Putin takes aggressive action, we are prepared to levy serious and severe costs, period. What? Then, wait, you're going to love this. 
Host Savannah Guthrie countered that the White House has been less than clear, issuing a statement just minutes after Biden's press conference affirming the united response between the U.S. and its allies. Harris interrupted, saying, Savannah, I'm being clear with you right now. If you're interested, I'll continue to be clear. She's such a nasty woman, just a nasty, nasty attitude woman, that typical entitled minority female, I'm in power and you're going to listen to me kind of mentality that you get from certain individuals. So the massive disconnect between factions within the White House, the media, the Democrat Party as a whole, continue to rear their ugly head, proving that this United States of America is not united, but very, very divided. Continuing with the headlines, more coronavirus variants are coming and spreading around the globe. Next, Biden snaps at a reporter for question on divisive statement. He said, go back and read what I said. Listen to this impetuous piece of crap that you have as the president of the United States when a reporter dared to call out Biden for comparing people who voted against the voter rights legislation bills, which were not voter rights legislation bills, and he used the president's own words, and the president sits there and denies it. Take a listen to this attitude. One more, sir. Um, you know, you talk, you campaigned and, and you ran on a return to civility. And I know that you dispute the characterization that you called folks who would oppose those voting bills um, as being Bull Connor or George Wallace. But you said that they would be sort of in the, the same camp. No, uh, I didn't say that. Look what I said. Go back and read what I said and tell me if you think I called anyone who voted on the side of the position taken by Bull Connor, that they were Bull Connor. And that is an interesting reading of English. You, you, I assume you got into, into journalism because you like to write. So did you expect that that would work with Senators Manchin or, or Cinema? Um, no, here's argument? the thing. There's certain things that are so consequential. You have to speak from your heart as well as your head. I was speaking out forcefully on what I think to be at stake. That's what it is. And by the way, no one, no one forgets who was on the side of King reverse on or Bull Connor. No one, not done the history books will note it. When I was making the case, don't think this is a freebie. You don't get to vote this way and then somehow it goes away. This will be stick with you the rest of your career and long after you're gone. The fact of the matter is, gropey Joe Biden said a few things. And he was speaking directly about Kirsten Cinema and about Joe Manchin, who have rejected the idea of trashing the filibuster. He didn't mention Manchin, he didn't mention Cinema directly. But he has basically threatened them by saying, quote, History has never been kind to those who've sided with voter suppression over voters' rights, and it would be less kind for those that side with election subversion. I ask every elected official in America, how do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be on the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Do you want to be on the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? Do you want to be on the side of Abraham Lincoln or... Jefferson Davis. He, of course, was referring to the Birmingham, Alabama officials who opened up water hoses and attack dogs on civil rights protesters in the 1960s. This reporter was doing his job. 
he was asking a question. And instead of answering the question, Joe Biden resorted to petty name-calling, like a petulant little child. But that's who he is. And of course, Joe Biden suggested, hinted at, intimated that if those voter legislation bills didn't get passed, somehow future elections might not be legitimate. He has now had to walk back. In other words, admit that he lied, admit that he was simply trying to scare people. According to the Los Angeles Times, a day after Biden suggested that GOP voter suppression tactics could delegitimize future elections, the White House worked clear to steer clear of a political trap. They beat back criticism that the president was sowing doubt about elections, therefore weakening American democracy. It's exactly what he did. You're going to do things my way or the democracy will be weakened. That's basically what he said. During that lengthy two-hour marathon rambling, fumbling, mumbling, bumbling session he made at the end of his first year in office, gropey Joe Biden said he thought the November midterm elections could, quote, easily be illegitimate, unquote, if Democrats in Congress fail to muster a legislative response to new Republican restrictions on voting enacted in 19 states last year. He said, quote, the prospect of being illegitimate is in direct proportion to us not being able to get these, these reforms passed, unquote. Unlike the election fraud claims that were pushed by former President Trump and multiple Republicans, Biden's comments are not being criticized. Hmm. It's like I told you years ago here on the Truth Hurts program, when the Democrats need to find an excuse for losing, they claim voter fraud. When they win and someone else poses the potential, the possibility, and even the reality of voter fraud, they simply laugh and say, oh, there's no such thing as voter fraud. This was a legitimate election. Now, Biden is trying to have it both ways. Jen Pisaki, Little Red Circle Back Girl, said, quote, let's be clear. The president was not casting doubt on the legitimacy of the 2022 election. He was explaining that the results would be illegitimate if states do what the former president asked them to do after the 2020 election and toss out ballots and overturn results after the fact. The big lie, she says, is putting our democracy at risk, and we are fighting to protect it. Asked later if Biden believed the midterm elections will be legitimate even if Democrats fail to respond to those voting restrictions, Pisaki said yes. For those of you who say it's pronounced Saki, that may be. But I call her Pisaki because she is a sack of pee. Senate Minority Leader Republican Mitch McConnell of Kentucky said in a speech on the Senate floor, It all sounds eerily familiar. The Democrats who preach countless sermons about accepting voters' decisions are now saying the midterms may be illegitimate unless they win, unquote. Even Republican in name only Mitt Romney said, It is irresponsible for an American president in any way to delegitimize an election. Without question, our elections are fair and legitimate. This is the same unfortunate path the former president went down. And as we know, it is a dangerous and divisive course. It was unacceptable then. It is unacceptable now. Nate Persley is an election integrity expert at Stanford. said, you cannot talk about free and fair elections without sounding partisan at this point. That's the fundamental problem. The democracy, the elections are a game. And it's not about a way of granting legitimacy to our leadership, but to those who can seize power by whatever means necessary. My friends, 
We have to get a grip on this divided nation. We have to find a way to come together. And obviously, Joe Biden and the Democrats are the wedge that is stopping unity. Do what you can in the midterms. Vote out these clowns. Vote back in common sense legislators who will make laws and bring order to our nation. The real, legitimate, legal way. Demand what I said at the onset of this program. Clear-cut, solid language, legislation only. No more of these 3,000-page bills that have all kinds of crap stuffed in them. Up and down votes. Do you need a new bridge over the Mississippi River, north of Baton Rouge? Absolutely. Yes or no? Vote on it. Do you need a new bridge between two sugarcane fields in the middle of the state of Louisiana? Absolutely not. Vote yes or no. Do we need $100 billion to fix the 39,000 major bridges that are crumbling? Yes or no. You vote. That's it. No more sneaking in this and sneaking in that. But as long as that kind of crap continues, we will be in a continuous state of stalemate in our country. And unfortunately, all the time we have for this edition of the Truth Hurts program has come upon us. We'll see you on the next show. Thank you for listening. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. We apologize if you are offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Audionautics.